following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. As, uh, as the plate's going around, if, if you have your Bibles with you, you can open to Acts 8, and that's where we're going to be looking this morning. It's funny that it, you guys have no idea what goes on behind the scenes here sometimes. Uh, Jordan told me absolutely nothing about what he was going to say when he got up here, and so I have this whole like intro to this sermon written out that he just talked through. Um, so I don't know what to do with that extra time. I don't know. We'll just, we'll, we'll figure out a way to fill it up. But um, as he said, my, my, uh, my personality type is, is I'm an introvert. My undergrad degree was in psychology. My, my graduate degree is theology, but there's an emphasis on counseling. And so I take all of these, like you name a personality test, I've, I've taken it. Okay. And every time I take one of these tests, I look at it and they'll have things like, uh, an introvert is negative 10 and extrovert is positive 10. And everybody looks at my test. They're like, you're off the charts, introvert. Like I am as introverted as they come. Now, there's a lot of confusion sometimes as to what an introvert is or what an extrovert is. A lot of people look at it and go, an extrovert is somebody who likes people. An introvert hates people. <laughs> okay, and that's not, that's not entirely true. Not entirely true, okay? <laughs> the, the, the main difference here is an extrovert is somebody who draws their energy from being around groups of people. As Jordan said, an extrovert is going to walk into a room and have a conversation with everybody that they see. An introvert, we're more internal in our processes. We're going we're gonna to walk into a room and, like I walk into a room, if, if we were all just hanging out, I'm going to stand there and I'm going to watch for a while. And I'm going to kind of pick out, okay, this is, these people kind of act this way and these people act this way. And so if I'm going to talk to them, it's going to look like this and it's going to look like this. And um, I, I internalize those things. And then at the end of the day, I want to go home and be alone for a while because it wears me out to be around groups of people. Okay. That's, and, and a lot of you are, are in the same boat as me, right? I mean, it, show of hands. If you're an introvert, raise your hand. And those of you who are extroverts have no idea how uncomfortable that was for those people <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> They're going, oh, I know, I'm, I'm extreme, I don't want to, uh, it's me. Uh, but but that, that's the whole point. Like, as introverts, we're not going to talk to everybody we see. We're not going to have all those conversations. And it's really easy for us as introverts to look at evangelism and say, uh, that's great for the extroverts. That's great for somebody who's spiritually gifted in evangelism, but it's, it's not something that I do. It's, I'm so uncomfortable with it. I can't, I can't do it. But when we read the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 19, it, it doesn't say, those of you who are gifted go into all nations making disciples and baptizing. It doesn't say, those of you who are comfortable in large groups go to all nations making disciples and baptizing them. It's, it's to all of us. Now, we realize that that's going to look different if we're introverted than when we're extroverted. But the call is the same. So what we have to do, especially those of us who are introverted or those of us who don't feel maybe gifted in the area of evangelism, is we have to ask ourselves, okay, so how does this apply to me? How does this apply to my life? 
And as I said, we're going to look at Acts chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 26 through 40. And in this passage, I think we, we can draw on some things that Philip does in his evangelism that can apply directly to us. Not only those of us who are introverts and those of us who aren't gifted evangelists, these are things that are universally applicable. But at the same time, as introverts, I think we can definitely draw on this. Uh, Before we look at that passage, uh, one of the things that's always key in, in reading scripture, in looking at where we're going, is understanding the context of the passage. So where are we coming from? What's setting up this story? If we look at the book of Acts, it's written by a guy named Luke, who's the same guy that wrote the gospel of Luke. Um, And Acts is the second half of this writing. It's it's a legal defense that he writes for Paul as Paul is being tried in Rome towards the end of his life. So he writes the book of Luke as a historical account of Jesus Christ. And the book of Acts is this historical account of the church. So he's telling this whole story. And if we look at, at Acts in the start of this church, Um, In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus, just before he ascends into heaven, just before he leaves earth after his resurrection, he says this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he says, you're going to start right where you're at. You're going to make Christ known near. And as you make Christ known near, that's going to spread, and you're going to make him known far, and you're going to make him known farther until the entire world Here's the name of Jesus Christ and understands this gospel. Now, in, in Acts 2 through 5, you have the church actually start. You have the, Peter's speech at, at the, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples and they speak in tongues and they uh, preach the gospel to all of these thousands of people who are around. By the time you get to Acts 6, the church has grown. And the disciples look, at, look around them and they go, hey, we can't handle the day-to-day tasks of this church. So they name uh, this group of guys to be widow feeders, to go out and take care of some of the the nitty-gritty work of the church while they continue to build up the structure. In Acts 6 and 7, one of these guys who's appointed as a widow feeder is arrested, tried, and stoned for preaching the gospel. This is the first martyr. This is Stephen. He's the first person killed for his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, at this point, the church scatters. You hit Acts chapter 8, and the very first verse of uh, chapter uh, 8 in Acts says, and there arose on that day, this is the day of Stephen's stoning, now there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. This word scattered that's used is, is is a farming term. It means to sow seed. So the picture is God takes in Jerusalem, he's raised up this church. And if you remember to, to chapter one, he said, okay, here, you're, you're gonna be my witnesses. You're gonna spread the name of Jesus. So he takes all of these witnesses and he scatters them across the region. These people have spread all over and they're gonna speak the gospel and the kingdom of God is gonna raise from the seed that is scattered. And with this, one of these guys being scattered is a guy named Philip. And Philip leaves Jerusalem. He goes uh, up north to Samaria. And he and his buddies are up there. They preach the gospel for a while. And then they feel like it's time to head back to Jerusalem. And as he's heading back down to Jerusalem, 
We find ourselves in verse 26. I'm going to read this. This is um, a lengthy passage, but I I just ask you to to hang with me on this. Uh, Acts 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he arose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot and reading from the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading from Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And, And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this passage of Scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Great, right? Awesome story. What, what do we do with this? What do we do with this passage? And I think here we're, we're, we find these four foundations of evangelism. That again, for those of us who are, are introverts, for those of us who aren't gifted evangelists, I think these, um, these are huge in how we apply all of this scripture to our lives. So the first thing that we see in this passage, the first instruction that we can draw from these verses is that we need to pray for open doors. We need to pray for open doors. Philip has obviously spent tons of time in prayer. Right? An angel of the Lord appears to Philip. An angel of the Lord shows up before Philip and says, hey, go here. What's his response? He gets up and he goes. My response is to run to the bathroom and lock the door. Right? Philip isn't phased by this at all. The spirit speaks and he goes. Later on, um, he he has the spirit again tell him, you know, go up to this chariot, and he goes. He is in deep communication with the Lord so that nothing that comes his way surprises him. You'll notice at Community Gospel Church, when we start talking about applying scripture, we very often start with this idea of prayer. We almost always start with this idea of prayer. Well, Why is that? The reason is because we realize that on our own, of our own strength, our own wisdom, our own power, we're incapable of doing anything meaningful. Right? John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He says, whoever abides in me will produce much fruit. He says, but apart from me, you can do nothing. 
He uses this Greek word uden for, the, for nothing, and it means literally nothing. So we are incapable of doing anything meaningful on our own. But we know from Philippians, Philippians 5, he says, Now to him who is able to do more than all that we ask or imagine, all that we ask or think, all that we ask or, or can conceive of, to him be the glory according to the power that is within us. So God says, you are incapable of doing anything on your own. But with the power that is within you, you're able to do more than you could ever ask or imagine. Well, what's that power within us? That's, that's the Holy Spirit. We can read through uh, chapters in, in Luke, in Romans, in uh, 1 Corinthians, in James, in uh, any of the New Testament scriptures, and you'll, you'll see this idea of this power of the Holy Spirit that resides within us when we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, to access that power, we pray for God to open doors. And we know that he, he answers prayer. So we know that he is going to provide us with those opportunities. You see, we all have people in our lives. We all know people who, who we would say, this person needs the Lord. This person needs to know what this relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. And knowing that, and knowing that we as introverts, we who maybe aren't gifted evangelists, are going to have very few opportunities to have those conversations. But we have to seek divine openings. We have to seek for God to give us that opportunity, for God to open up those doors. I had a conversation this week with um, a brother of ours from this church who uh, said uh, several weeks ago when we started this series, we gave, we gave out these little cards. And we asked you to write three names on this card. These were people that you were going to be praying for, you were going to be seeking. This guy goes, I, I wrote these three names. He says, and I've been praying for him and praying for him. He said, and this, this other guy just hadn't showed any interest. He said, but last week, he gets a call from his buddy, and his buddy's like, hey, can we get together? This is something that he didn't see coming. He didn't, he didn't think this was really going to happen, but he was praying constantly for God to open the door, for God to give him a conversation here, and God came through. And he said in the last couple of weeks, he's had really good conversations with this guy about what faith is and what it means to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. But that opportunity comes because he sought after that opportunity. He prayed with everything that was in him for God to open those doors. And he had a chance. So the first thing we have to look at this morning is what opportunities are we praying for? Like, if I'm going to sit here and go, I'm an introvert, and so evangelism's uncomfortable for me. Okay, that's fair. But am I looking for opportunities, or am I stepping back and using an excuse to avoid this call? I have to be proactive. I have to be praying for God to give me those opportunities. So we pray for open doors, and we know that God's going to provide them. What next? Well, I think after that, we need to be prepared. I think we need to be prepared. The eunuch asks Philip this really simple question. He, he asks, who's Isaiah talking about in this passage? Right? Really, really simple question. Not much to it. But Philip is prepared. 
He can take this passage in Isaiah and he says, here's what's happening. Here's what this means. And he goes to the gospel from there and he does it in such a powerful way (laughs) that the eunuch not only accepts the gospel, but goes, I need to be baptized right now. He says, we're not waiting for a baptism service. I got to go right now. Because Philip knows how to get there. He has studied the scriptures. He studied the life of Christ. He knows how to bring it full circle. And as we walk through our lives, as we spend time in our, in our devotions, as we read scripture, as we pray, God is constantly preparing us for all kinds of things, right? We see that God prepares us physically. Uh, David, in, in 2 Samuel, as he's standing before Saul, he says, hey, I fought a lion, I fought a bear, and I fought thieves. Goliath ain't no match for me. God has prepared him physically for that. We know that God prepares us intellectually. He prepares our, our thoughts. He prepares our minds. Moses isn't just randomly plucked from the river and sent to the king's house. God has worked that out. God knew exactly what he was doing when Moses is picked up by the Pharaoh's daughter. Because Moses now spends 40 years in the best schools that money can buy, learning how to read and write, something that the the Israelites didn't know how to do. None of the Israelites knew how to read and write. They didn't have a written language. But Moses learns how to read and write so that when he leads the people out on the Exodus, he's able to write down Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He's able to, to put this history of Israel together, which is why we have our, our Old Testament. That's why we have the first five books of the Bible, because God prepared him intellectually. God prepares us physic- or, uh, spiritually as well. First uh, Peter 3.15 says, in, <laughs> But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that, was, that is within you. So we can be prepared spiritually and evangelistically for whatever those open doors that God gives us are. It requires us to spend that time in study. It requires us to understand the the basic truths of Scripture. Now, I, I don't know if you know this, but the human brain generally retains two types of information. Okay, it, it remembers what is important to us and it will retain what is easily remembered. Think back to uh, whether it's high school or college or maybe you've had training in your job. Um, you, you ever cram for the test? This was my, my ritual in college was uh, get up about two hours early and sit down and read through the 12 chapters of the textbook that I hadn't read in the, in the month leading up to it. And then try to come up with all of these little, like, mnemonic devices and all of these little things that will help me remember the information. And I'd do great on tests. And I'd walk out of there, and the next day, if you asked me anything on the test, I had no idea. Why? Because it wasn't important to me anymore. It was important to me when my grade was on the line for that test. I may, if this is for training at your job, it may be important to you to, to keep your qualifications and your certifications. Um, But then are are some of those details important to you after you leave? So uh, when we're talking about being prepared to share the gospel, okay, this is is a big book, right? 
Apparently, nobody thinks it's that. I, I think it's a big book. I think there's a lot of information here. I think there's a lot of stuff in here. Um, and, and I've studied this thing quite a bit, and I feel like I've scratched the surface of it. Okay? And you can talk to people who have been faithful followers of Jesus Christ, who've studied their, their Bibles for years and years and years, and they'll still tell you, man, I come back to it and I find new stuff. I come back to it and I'm constantly learning. So when we say be prepared, I'm not saying you have to have this whole thing memorized. If you do, man, more power to you. I'm impressed. But what we're talking about is being able to express the truths of this in a way that makes sense to somebody standing next to you. So how do we do that? Well, here's, a, here's one little thing that you can do this week. Find yourself a three-by-five note card, right? And, and on one side of that note card, write the gospel. Can you write the gospel on a three-by-five note card? Can you tell someone everything that they need to know about the gospel on a three-by-five note card? If you can do that, then you have made a way to share the gospel that is easily remembered, that's going to be clear, it's not going to be confused with a bunch of other stuff that is added in that, uh, that, that really doesn't matter at the moment. It's going to be very simple. And you're going to be able to take that and share that with anybody you come in contact with. Like, that's really all it takes. Being prepared is not, is not something that should intimidate us. It's simply a matter of saying, I know what the gospel is. I know the message that is necessary for you to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, we have to ask ourselves, if I was given the opportunity right now, could I share the gospel? Could I present the message of Jesus Christ in a way that makes sense, in a way that is easily remembered, in a way that someone could respond to. So we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared when that opportunity comes. So we're, we're praying for open doors. We're asking sincerely that God would give us opportunity to share the gospel. We've got our three-by-five note card that has everything that we need to know to share the gospel. I, I, I think the third the third aspect that we can draw from this passage is that we have to make the most of our opportunities. We have to make the most of our opportunities. I don't know if Philip was going out looking for chances to share the gospel. I, I would assume he was, but there's nothing that says Philip went to Samaria to share the gospel. If we look back at the beginning of, of, um, of Acts 8, you see that there's persecution that comes on the church. Philip's running for his life. He, takes out a, he heads out north of Jerusalem, running for his life. But the opportunities that come along for him to share the gospel, he jumps on. When he goes to Samaria, he preaches the gospel. When he heads back south, when the, the Spirit of the Lord directs him to bypass Jerusalem, to go further south. He runs into this Ethiopian eunuch and he preaches the gospel. When he's lifted out of that situation and finds himself in the city of Azotus, he preaches the gospel. 
Everywhere he goes, every, th- every time he finds himself in a situation, he preaches the gospel. He seizes the opportunity that's in front of him. As introverts, I think this is maybe the toughest aspect of evangelism. This is the hardest, this is the hardest thing that I deal with. Okay, because I, I can easily pray for God to give me chances, and I can easily be prepared. But here's where the rubber meets the road. I, I, had, I had an opportunity um, two or three weeks ago. We had a guy in our house who is, uh, he was doing some, like, foundation inspecting. Okay, and so he's, he's in my house. He's in my basement. I'm talking to this guy. And since we started this series, I've been praying for God to give me a few few extra opportunities. Like I wanted some, some real opportunity to share the gospel and, and I've been prepared for this. And I start talking to this guy and, and he's like, you know, we're just chit-chatting and he sees my guitar cases in the basement. He's like, oh, you're a guitar player? Yeah, oh, yeah. And he played guitar and so we start talking and he's like, what do you do? I go, well, I'm a, I'm a my title is executive director of corporate worship. I said, I'm a worship leader out at, at this church just outside town. He goes, oh, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> no, so I'm like, okay, that, he's interested or he already hates me. And I, I'm not sure which one this is going to be. So I, I kind of ask him, so, so you, you go to church anywhere? Like, you know, what's, what's your story there? And so we talk for a while and he's like, oh, I, I went to this church and this church and this church and I was part of this uh, religion and he, he, was a, he was a Mormon, he's been Catholic, he's been Lutheran, he's been Methodist, he's been non-denominational, he's been to Pentecostal churches, he's been a part of, like everything under the sun this guy has experience in. I'm like, Okay, well, this this will be interesting. And he said, at one point, he goes, "Yeah, I really like this one church, but they didn't think everybody was already saved." Oh, okay. So God, I've prayed for this opportunity, and you've prepared me. I know what to say. I really don't want to say it right now. <laughs> this this does not seem like a fun conversation coming. But right there, I have the choice. Am I going to make the most of the opportunity God's given me? So I pray through, I I give kind of that quick prayer. Oh, dear Lord, help me. (laughs) And I said, well, hey, at our church, this is what we believe in. And I I had a conversation with him. Now, I'd love to tell you that he goes, that makes perfect sense. I'm saved. Let's go upstairs and baptize me in the the bathtub. Okay? Apparently, I'm not as good a preacher as Philip. (laughs) Just, Just the way it goes. But the opportunity came up. I was able to speak the gospel. Why? Because even though it's totally out of my personality and it's totally uncomfortable for me, I prayed for the open doors. I prepared myself and I jumped at the opportunity. And I st- there's still times that I fail at that. God presents me opportunities and I-, I miss them. But I pray that as I grow, as I develop, as I mature in my faith, that I'm, I'm hitting it more often than not. That I'm continually going, God, give me another opportunity. Prepare me for the next step. God, give me another chance to share the gospel. And I pray that I will step up in those opportunities. Do we take advantage of the opportunities God gives us for evangelism? And and again, particularly as as introverts, we're not going to get as many chances as the extroverts. They're going to talk to a lot more people. They're going to have more conversations. But God's going to give you opportunities. Are you going to step up and take it? 
We pray for open doors. We prepare ourselves and we seize our opportunities. One more thing we see in this passage, and this is kind of an umbrella. This kind of falls over everything else. This falls over these other three steps. But I think we see in the story of Philip that we have to live the gospel. We have to live the gospel. Again, we look at everywhere Philip went, everyone he talked to, there was something that, that gave him an opportunity to speak the gospel to those people, and he always stepped up, and he always preached the gospel. There's a, there's a famous quote by uh, St. Francis of Assisi that says, um, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Now, the problem with that is St. Francis never said that. He never wrote that. Uh, There's no record of him ever having anything to do with a phrase like that. Now, I think that that we can look at that and we can draw from the heart of what that that phrase means. The, The scary thing about that is a lot of us as introverts will take that and say, oh, well, use the words if necessary means I can just live out the gospel and I never have to open my mouth. I never have to talk to anybody about the gospel because they'll know that, they'll know that I love Jesus. They're gonna, they're, if they're really interested, they'll come talk to me. And that's not the case. That's not what this, this statement, that's not what this saying is getting at. What it's getting at is that our lives matter. The way we live matters. We may have opportunities because of the way that we live. Somebody looks at you and goes, man, there's something different about you. Why do you live this way? Why do you care about me? I don't care about you. Why do you care about me? That may be the open door that you need. But I'll tell you this. If your life does not reflect who Jesus Christ is, I guarantee nobody cares what you have to say. I will guarantee you nobody cares at all how well you know your Bible. Nobody cares at all if you can describe the Trinity. Nobody cares at all if you can tell me the birth dates and the death dates of all of the apostles. Unless your life reflects something different. Unless they look at you and they go, you know what? We were at that restaurant and that that waitress was terrible and, and you still gave a good tip. We were at work and that person next to you treated you like garbage and, and you still treat them really well. What, what is that? So our lives have to reflect this. It's um, 2 Corinthians. It, it, turn, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. Just turn over to the right. Uh, a little ways, and, and look at Second Corinthians 2. Um, this is a, a couple of verses that uh, are among my favorites in, in all of Scripture. Second uh, Corinthians 2, verse 14. Uh, start in verse 14. Uh, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are, being, who are perishing. We are the aroma of Christ. Does your life reek 
of Jesus Christ? Does it reek of this change, this thing that is so contrary to our culture that, you look at, that people look at it and go, I want that. See, when we live there, those opportunities that we take, that preparation leading us to, to seizing the opportunity in front of us are going to be so much more impactful. Do we, as individuals, do we as a church, reek of Jesus Christ? You see, in all of these things, we come back over and over to the fact that we are called to preach the gospel. We are called in all that we do, in all that we are, to speak the gospel. To speak the fact that there is a God who created the heavens and the earth, a God who created mankind to be in perfect unity with him, but we screwed it up. And so he entered this world through Jesus Christ to live a life that you and I were supposed to live and to die a death that you and I deserve to die so that you and I could live in glory with, the, with our heavenly father, to enter into his presence in a way that we have no right to enter. That's the gospel. That's what we pray to be able to share. That's what we are prepared to share. That's what we say when we grasp those opportunities, when people look at our lives and say, what is different? What is happening? And as we said, as, as introverts, as those of us who, who aren't gifted in evangelism, this can look very, very frightening. It can look very scary. It can seem very difficult. But we serve a God who's so much greater than any fear that comes into our lives. We serve a God who doesn't call us to things that he will not empower us to do. If there's a command in scripture for God's people to move, God will give you the strength. He will give you the wisdom. He will open up doors. Our job is to step up whether it's uncomfortable or not. Church, let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, we just thank you for being such an awesome God, for being a God of grace and mercy, a God who sees us when we fail and continues to love us, continues to draw us back to you. A God whose gospel is truth. We don't have to wonder, Lord, if you, if, if you love us. We don't have to wonder if we've done enough. We don't have to wonder if we've earned your favor because we know that all that needs to be done has been done. It has been accomplished. And God, there's nothing on this earth that matters more than knowing your son. There's nothing on this earth that is of any value beyond the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts this morning, whether it's, whether it's natural to us or not. God, I pray that you would, uh, you would work through uh, our, our individual personalities. You'd work through the way that you've designed us 
to effectively share the gospel and that we wouldn't fall back as a crush to say, that's not me. That's a command for someone else. God, drive that home in us today. Father, I pray that you would give us opportunities, that you would open doors for us so that we, as Community Gospel Church, could continue to make your son known, both near and far. Father, it's in your great and awesome name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.